On this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I are melancholy together talking about the optimal strategy for gift exchanges. It's riveting. But then we talk some bowl games. Rufus gives away some negative EV picks and we talk a little NFL. And with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a out with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to the holiday edition of the Bet the Process podcast where... Rufus Peabody needs to get out of here because he's about to go have dinner with the Spank Meister. So for those of you guys who are playing bingo at home, bet the process bingo, Rufus going out to dinner with Spanky and with Doug Kazarian, the adult Rudy, as some people have said. Potentially, potentially. Spanky, Spanky just said he's going to ask Doug if he wants to come. I mean, Doug's probably got nothing better to do than hang out with you guys. Let's be honest. Uh, where are you guys going to go to dinner? Uh, Andiamo. Oh, which I like better than Barry's personally. So is Andiamo in the D also or whatever, or is it in the, it's in the D Barry's is the one in Circa. I like, I like Barry's too. It's very good, but I, but, but my Andiamo experiences are better. You know, Barry's is the Barry's is the guy that used to run nine steakhouse back in the day. I did not know that. He's the chef that used to do it. He's kind of like this. He's also like a, a mass hole. If you ever go to Barry's, ask him to come out. And he's like a Red Sox fan. I think he went to school. He went to like RISD or something or some chef school back back east. Um, but he's he's a asshole, I think, at the core. Just like me. Um, so uh, what is the subject of your dinner going to be? Uh, I don't know. I actually, I saw Spanky last night. We were at, um, we were, I, I was having dinner at Esther's Kitchen. And and because um, he's in Vegas getting all the logistical stuff ready for, for bet bash this coming spring and, you know, signing the papers, all that. But I saw him, we, he, he ended up coming to the arts district and, and, and then I woke up this morning at 5 50 AM to a phone call, like on my, I was on my couch. I had like passed out while watching a documentary on Marty fish, um, which was really good by the way on Netflix. And he's like a really good golfer, right? He's a good golfer. I mean, he's, you know, he was a professional tennis player, of course, and the best American yeah. for a little stretch, but, but I, I got a phone call. I get a phone better call. Better than George Washington? Better than what? George Washington. George Washington was like the best American, wasn't he? He was the number one American? He, he was. You're right. You're right. Marty Fish was the number one tennis player in the United States for a time, but I woke up, Jeff, and I, my phone's ringing. It's like a number I don't know, but for some reason I answered because I was like, barely awake it's like completely dark outside and someone's like i'm out in front of your house with like solar panels because i'm getting solar panels put on my roof in dc and i was like but it's the like i was like but it's nighttime i don't understand and he's like it's 8 30 but i literally thought it was like 5 50 at like night or something i don't know Cool story, bro. Basically, I yeah drank a little more than I expected to when I, when I was out with Spanky. It happens. Where did you guys go? Did you guys go anywhere fun? After well, after Esther's, we went to um, the Velveteen Rabbit and then Berlin. 
which are sounds like sounds like such a different Vegas than you and I experienced. I, I love the arts district. It's it's like a phenomenal area. It's it's cool. Where is it? It's right basically where I live. Um, it's sort of south of downtown, a little bit like near Charleston. It's 18 blocks. It's got like seven breweries now. It's got wine bar, coffee shops. So it feels like a little normal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's normal in sort of a weird way. It's like the normal weird that, that will hit. How long are you in Vegas for? Um, I'm heading up to Maine on Monday. So. And then when do you get back? Um, I think the Wednesday, Tuesday after that. And then I'm going to be um, for New Year's. I'm going to be at Joshua Tree with a few friends. You're coming back to Vegas for the like CES time frame when I'll be out there. When is that? January fifth, sixth, that time frame. Yeah, I should be there. Cool. I, We're gonna. I, I do. I want to talk to you. Some, I want to do like a ski house in Colorado. Um, but I gotta like actually get on. Well, don't go then because I'm trying to get like I'm doing an event and trying to do a bunch of golf. So um, just just mark like to be in Vegas from like the 5th to the 10th and any listeners that are out there, that are going to be there for that time frame, We'll try to like, like mildly um, avoid you again. Cause you're wearing shorts trying to get into a club. We should have a bet the process golf tournament. We should. That would be fun. No one can lie about their handicaps like you do. And then you go out and you shoot like, one over through the first 13 holes or whatever. Yeah, but then what did I shoot? Well, one over the first nine. Then what did start I start falling apart, which is kind of nice. Exactly. Um, I, I played golf since then. So I'm playing Cal, the Cal Club on Friday, which is a great club out here. So, anywho, um, question. Answer. Were you, were you, were you uh, following this whole like Jim Harbaugh's or sorry, John Harbaugh's explanation about going for it? early on like the the classic down by like 15 and instead of when you score a touchdown going for two on the first score and then you know phil sims and bill cower had this sort of famous thing where they were like phil sims just was like an idiot the interesting thing about this one is like this is nothing like going for it down by you know, 14. This isn't, math. this isn't math. Yeah. And, and honestly, I don't think it's quite as easy as everyone says it is. Right. Because one of the things that, you know, is that if you are still like somewhat, if you're down, well, there's a lot that goes into this, that people could claim you like why you don't do this. That has to do with game game flow or game decisions. Right. Like, because, you know that when a team is only down, let's say, um, when you have that like game pressure on them still, when they're only down one score or up one score, they will be very, very conservative in, in what they do, right? They're going to run twice. What's that? Oh, do you mean the team that's up? Well, I mean, my, my point is that in any of this stuff, right, as you do this analysis, there is a lot of like game flow that like, you could make a claim that that would change based on the situation. And I'm not saying yes. that it makes the decision worse or better. Honestly, it probably makes the decision better because ultimately if you end up needing two scores, if, if let's say you score a touchdown, right. To go down by eight, you, you go for two. two you, no, sorry. You score a touchdown, go by, by down nine. to be down by nine. You do not go for two. Instead you go for one. 
and you get it, right? Let's say, so you're, you're down by eight, you're down by one score. In the other situation, you go for two and you don't get it, right? And at that point, you're down by nine, you're down by two scores. That other team is going to likely be very conservative offensively, but then also very conservatively defensively. As you said, they're going to play prevent, and it's probably much easier to score at that point than, than it would be to try to score, you know, that, that touchdown when you're down by one score. Exactly. And I think, you know, Baltimore, they lost by, um, they two. lost by two. And I had, I had Cleveland. So that was a nice backdoor bad beat. Oh, I had, I had Baltimore money line at plus one thirty three, And then I got a little plus two and a half plus one ten or something like that. Um, day of. So I basically ended up like down 2000 overall between in that game. It was like, that was, and that was probably like that. That was literally the best, my best gambling game of the day. That should tell you something, at least in terms of pregame betting. <laughs> but but right. The whole point is, you know, you say, oh, you know, well, if they had, you know, if, if they hadn't gone for two early, you know, maybe it's a tie game or something. Right. But the whole point, well, I mean, if they missed it, then who's to say they don't miss it later. But the other thing is the fact that they're not as likely to score that touchdown or they're less likely to score that touchdown, as you said, right. If, if they were um, being down two scores, then being down one score. Yeah. It, what was amazing it, is that I they got that onside kick. And, and there were four teams that recovered onside kicks uh, this past weekend, which is, I think, I know. the same number crazy. the entire season before up to that point. So that was crazy. And then, and then the fact that all they needed was a field goal then, and they didn't even get that. So it was uh, a, little, a little disappointing as a, as a Baltimore backer there. But, um, but you know what? I'm not going to complain because at least, you know, I got the plus two and a half, which was very fortunate. Yeah, I, I guess – and I guess I didn't do a particularly job, good job explaining it. But like my my point is that, you know, this is like one of those things like everyone is now lumping any non-traditional decision into the world of analytics. This isn't an analytics thing, though. This really isn't. It, it's no, legitimately, it's legitimately more like logic saying, oh, well, you know, you, you'd rather know what you have to do than not know what you have to do. That's basically the argument. Yeah. Do you think there's any truth? Do you think there's any truth to the idea that... um offensively a team might kind of give up or the team might kind of give up more if they're down by two scores at that point. But when they're only down one, they still have like more of a sense that they can win. And so they don't quite give up. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I, I've, I've, I've never been on a football team. Um, but I will say this, what if, you know, if they don't, if, if they go for one and then score, you know, and they don't get it then, you know, maybe they give, you know, are they going to give up then? You know, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It's like, when do you give up? I think the whole point is that we, we are biased towards staying in the game, feeling like you have a chance and it's in, in going for two early makes you feel like if you don't get it, you're, I mean, you can substantially, it feels like you're completely out of it versus when you're down by eight, you have this sort of notion that, oh, it's a one score game, even though it might be a two score game. It's a 50% chance of being a one score game, a 50% chance of being a two score game. So it's yeah. I mean, a fan, I will say this as a fan, you probably want your team. Like if, if what do you get, where, where does enjoyment come from as a fan? It comes from like the experience of watching the game and having your team feel like they have a chance. So in a way for a fan, you almost want them to kick the extra point after that first touchdown, you know, down 15 to make it an eight point game because you still feel like your team is in the game. Um, it keeps you more interested for longer. 
but that's yeah that's- i mean i i think this idea though that we we coach and we play not to lose versus like trying to win i think that's at the at the core of a lot of this right and, and right. like the decision the decisions that teams make often like you know like those let's say you're down by 10 right you know you need two scores people are like oh let's settle for the field goal at this point Right. When the reality is like, you know what, you could win the game in regulation, too, if you actually score twice. It, I mean, think so, about like Brian Greasy was advocating like, oh, why are they, you know, they should just stop and kick a 57 yard field goal right now. Um, this was Arizona down 10 to the Rams. at the I end. mean, Brian Greasy doesn't know no. anything, but he's, it's incredible. No, you're right. But, but I will say this, like Baltimore, think about um, I don't know how many weeks ago it was. It feels like forever ago that they lost like, I think, 41 to 14 to Cincinnati. And that game actually wasn't, it shouldn't have been a blowout, but it was, you know, Baltimore went for it on fourth down, deep in their own territory twice in the third quarter when they were down double digits. And because they were playing to win the game, they weren't playing to lose by less, you know, that game could have easily been just like a 10 point game. Yeah, but that's not even, that's, I get that. Right. But, but the whole point is, I mean, right. If, if teams play this analytically well, you're going to have more games that look like they were blowouts that would be yeah, score differentials. We've talked about this. Like you're just increasing. This, we have it. We've, the we the have chargers it. did this early in the season too, against uh, the Bengals, right. Or something like that. And that, or which, which one was it that they did that ended up looking really bad for them. I can't remember who it was Baltimore. I think the chargers against Baltimore. Baltimore. No, the Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore against, against, against Cincinnati, Cincinnati. All right. Well, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Okay. There might've been another game too. So, Back to this idea, though, like there was, yeah, you, you talked about the earlier one with like Greasy. Greasy also didn't, wasn't Greasy the one that said they should go for two when they were tied in a game, kicking an extra point, and then the team jumped off sides, and they're like, oh, maybe they'll go for, and then he realized how idiotic, and he was like, it's like, yeah. no, they're, they're not going for two. It's some commentator said that. I, I, I remember that. that. I, don't, I don't remember who it was, but I remember that. Yeah. Um, but I, again, like, I think it's interesting because so much of the late game decisions are predicated on this idea of trying to tie the game and go into overtime when overtime is a 50, 50 thing. And the, re- I mean, you know, arguably, but the reality is they should be trying to win the game in regulation if at all possible, not and just Bal- lengthen the game. We're talking about Baltimore. Baltimore is also the team that two weeks ago decided to go for two to try to win the game um, rather than. Play, rather than go into overtime. Do you remember that against Pittsburgh? Um, they had like no cornerbacks left or something. Hey, what what about um yeah, yeah, that was Baltimore. And that was that was one where um Tomlin, I think, made the point like, oh, we know what they're gonna do because they're all analytics, they're but very predictable. That's not a, I don't think that's an analytics no, it wasn't analytics play at all. It was it was based on him believing that they had a better chance to win the game right there than to put the defense back on the field even against Ben Roethlisberger, but no defensive backs. And, and you know what you also need to think about too, is it isn't necessarily just about, you know, if let's say the win probabilities were equal, right? You would prefer to, you should go for two um, and have the game be decided in regulation because there's less, I mean, a, I mean, your, your team is, there's less likelihood of injury. You're, if you're playing an extra period, you could, you know, there's only negative things can happen there. That's a real long-term perspective that I think most fans and coaches have no ability to do. True, but you think about in baseball, managers think about that on a daily basis. They're they're not using their best relievers every game. You know, you're you're making decisions that aren't that are suboptimal for a particular game, but are 
or optimal for the full season. So right. and, and NBA teams do it too with resting players. So, I mean, I do think, you know, if you can avoid having a 10 minute period where you're, you're going to get more tired and you, you have a chance of players getting injured, you know, you should. And it's why teams should be like, when you see a starting quarterback playing when his team's down, I don't know, like Derek Carr, when the team's down like 38 points in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, why the hell is he on the field? I mean, I guess you can say you want him to get some confidence back or something like that, but you know, you're just, you're playing with fire. Agreed. Jeff, did, I'm guessing you did not remember what you forgot, huh? No, I didn't okay. remember whatever. I like, I will say, I mean, I will say this. I think, was this last week? I guess the Pittsburgh Minnesota game was last week, right? It was just the Thursday night game, but Pittsburgh was down 22 points. They scored it in the fourth quarter. They scored a touchdown and they kicked the extra point, which I thought was a very dumb decision um, because you essentially, you know, if you, you get two chances, um, if you go for two, if you go for two and miss it after that first touchdown, you're down 16. And then you can still, you know, you score a touchdown, go for two, score a touchdown, go for two. If you make them both, it's tied versus, you know, if you make it, um, then suddenly it's a 14 point game. If, and you know, you could kick the extra point each time. Although actually you should go for two. If it's late, late enough in the game, you should go for two again. <laughs> um, right. But, Cause then you're going for two to win the game. So. Right. But I mean, you like, I mean, you, you can map this out, but the whole point is that, you know, yes, you could just go extra point, extra point, then go for two the last time and fit, essentially have a 50, 50 chance of, of having it be a three possession game. If you score three touchdowns, but if you go for two, the first time, like you get it, assuming extra points are 50 you know, assuming extra points in this simple example are hundred percent and going for two is 50%. Um, you know, then if you get, if you get that first two point conversion, you're going to get that it, it is a three possession game in that case. But if you don't get it, you still have a 25% chance of having it have been, you know, having the three touchdowns tie the game. So. Okay. We filibustered long enough where I remembered what I was going to say. Did you watch the um, Cincinnati, uh, Niners game last week? No, I saw bits and pieces of it, like on the red zone. So they, they, the Bengals drove pretty um, far into the Niners, Niners territory. And it made, it just made me, and then the Niners came back with the touchdown to win the game right after the Bengals had scored a field goal to, and this very rarely happens in overtime because there's not enough time really. Oh yeah. Okay. I watched overtime because Bengals futures. my, My question is, if you're deep, if you're like the Bengals, and let's say I don't even know how far how deep they got. Let me check. But let's Could just say you get pretty what's that? Could they have gone for it? Yeah, I yeah, kind of almost think you I, should I kinda, almost go for it because I think I kind of think you should because if you don't get it, A, the other team's kind of backed up. And and the whole point is they're gonna be, they're not gonna be, it's not gonna be four down territory for them. Whereas like you're down, like if a team has you're gonna force them to play more optimally which you're gives gonna, them a greater chance to score a touchdown yeah. or even score. Right. And, and then you still have them kind of backed up. They're going to play pretty conservatively yeah. and you have a reasonable chance to get the ball back in a position where all you need is a field goal and 30 yards, let's say. Right. But, but the whole, right. I think though this is all predicated on the fact that if, if everything's four down territory, it's not that hard to get into field goal range. Right. Sure. Sure. I think that's, I, I think, you know, having three downs versus having four downs versus three downs. The other thing is so that it, was a, it was a 41 yard field goal. Then. So it, they were the 24. So it wasn't that I still, deep. I still, I still thought like, what was it? Fourth and two or something like that. Fourth and one. I'm going to look, I'll look at the plays. But here's the thing, Jeff. 
I don't know if you remember, I was watching because I like once and wanted Cincinnati to get the win rather than have a tie. But um, if San Francisco had not scored there, that touchdown, like they ran the clock down enough that they, they essentially could have forced a situation where it's either they win um, or it's a tie. Right. So it was fourth and seven. So it was okay, fourth and not. seven at the at the 25. So that, that yeah, maybe the, not, uh, I, probably not in that case. Uh, that would be interesting for someone to run the numbers. But if it was like fourth someone, and two, someone would, by the name of Matt Davidow. Yeah. If it was fourth and two, I would say they should definitely have gone for it, though. I wonder what that break even number is. Yeah. Fourth and what? Um, 24 yard line. Pure analytics question. You ever do uh, white elephant gift exchanges? I have never done one, actually. I don't know. Oh. I was going to tell you my new, What's your my new clear plus EV strategy and get white elephant gift exchanges. So, but since you've never done one, it's going to be pointless to ask you. Yeah, about but, it. but our seven listeners might want to know. Well, so the premise behind a white elephant gift exchange or just a gift exchange in general is that you bring a present, it's like wrapped somehow, everyone draws numbers and you, you know, the number one goes first, opens a gift. Number two has the choice to steal number one's gift or to open another gift, right? And at some point, basically, it becomes minus EV to open another pick, another another uh, present, because you have enough information and the median value of the rest, of, like, because some people bring shitty presents and some people bring great presents. And if you've seen a lot of the presents, you have the opportunity to go and be able to pick one of those presents, right? versus continue to open presents where there's just a diminishing return as you open more and more presents, like, because like there, it's more likely to be a shitty present. I'm not sure about the mean or the median of the shittiness of the present, but basically like it becomes minus EV is my point. Okay. I did two gift exchanges online today. I forgot. I've done one one white (laughs) elephant thing in my life. I think you know the difference between a white elephant and a Yankee swap. No. White elephant is tends to be like the historicalness behind it is that it's something that you have laying around your house that you're not using. Ah. So it's kind of supposed to be more like a gaggy gift type thing. Whereas a Yankee swap is more like you're trying to get something nice that people will want. Interesting. You have, you seem to have a lot of experience with this. I do a fair amount of gift exchanges over the last 10 years. My in-laws are, are gift exchange people. So I've, I've learned to do gift exchanges. Interesting. Is, is gifting one of your love languages? It is one of my, I've been talking a lot about love languages lately. So I, I've enjoyed the sort of more um, open side of, of you we've gotten lately. What you is know? your love language, Rufus? Um, touch. <laughs> I guess I'm not giving you any love then. Um, um, I, I don't know what my other one is, uh, like what my sort of secondary one is, though. I think like it's like, honestly, Jeff, it's I was asked before, like my my therapist asked me what I want in a, what I want in, in a relationship. Like, what do I need in a relationship? And I literally didn't know the answer to that question. So maybe I need to figure this out. You want someone that gives you food and water and takes you out for walks. That's a, um, you know, that's, that's, it's a dog reference, Rufus. No, I realized that, you, you know, Hey, I am, you know, future, you're looking at the owner of dog, the dog name license plate. So, okay. Um, let's move on to college football. So holding 
my Georgia tickets, right? And we've said it's like much higher than it really is. I have, let's see, plus six minus three. That's that's what the line should be against Alabama, in my opinion. It's not. So, but. Okay. I have Georgia plus 625 from the beginning of the year. Okay. Yes. Should I take any Alabama right now at plus 125? Let's see. So Alabama right now is a 13 and a half point favorite based on based on the fact that it's a bowl. Well, actually, I shouldn't. This is this actually should not be treated as a bowl game because of uh it's not a traditional bowl game. Like is there's normally bowl games, you have this added variance. The uncertainty you don't know it's an exhibition game um so there's higher variance but you don't have you won't have that in this case but um what's what's our money line here on on this on the alabama game is the question personally i i, I think cincinnati is the side there but so I'm, I'm probably not gonna think you have value but um money line alabama looks like minus 500 minus 500 is the best i see out there and best on the other side is plus 425 so um somewhere in the little bit over 80% range. And then if they play, um, what, what price did you say you could get plus 125? Yeah. 80%. And then I personally, I, I even if hell no, you should not. Well, <laughs> should I should have talked to you before I did it? Cause I mean, look, if they're 82% or 83% to win, against Cincinnati. Oh, so you're saying they're they're going to be less than they're going in to your be mind they should be less than plus 1 or they should be greater than plus 125 in the rematch against Georgia. They're going to be I mean even if you thought they had a 50% chance if they're in the rematch against Georgia, let's say you go with 83% and then 50%. That's 41 and a half percent which is plus 141. But I think I mean the look ahead line um that Metcalf posted at circa was Georgia minus one. He said he wanted to open at Georgia minus three, but he got talked down. And I personally make it Georgia minus three. So, yeah. Well, you know what's going to end up happening, right? Cincinnati's going to win. No, likely what's going to happen is Bama and Georgia win on New Year's Eve, and then as soon as that line opens, I'm going to take all that I hedged on Alabama and like Texas hedge it on Georgia and just like root for Georgia. Oh, just because you don't? Yeah. That's what I mean. I've done this before with Georgia where, where I've had Georgia going into like the final game and I've just like had a great price and I kind of like do this hedge, you know, with Alabama. And then the first time I have to get out of the Alabama hedge, I, I just take Georgia. So it's way, not like literally, you literally are going to hedge and then you're going to hedge your hedge. Yeah, I'm not hedging my hedge. I'm just getting out of my hedge because I just don't really want to hedge it when push comes to shove. And like this rational moment right now, or like the other night when I did this, it seemed like a good idea, but then the reality is it's not. No, do you follow racing at all, by the way, Formula One? I do not. Mm. Do I you? had Hamilton going into that. So I lost a reasonable amount of money on that, sadly. I'm sorry to hear that. And I don't even know racing well enough to understand whether I should be irate about it or not. That's the worst part. I know nothing about it. Not a thing. You know that there was a controversy, right? Not even. Oh, okay. What was the controversy? Again, like, I don't know enough about this to understand it, but it sounds like what happened is the race kind of should have been allowed to be over. And instead they like let Adam race one more lap after some time. And then the Red Bull guy Verstappen passed them on the last lap because Hamilton's tires were like at the end of the road for them. Okay. 
some racing that person is going to listen to this and be like, Ma has no idea what he's talking about. And I'll be the first to agree with them because I don't. I just do knew they, that. Do they Hamilton, go around a racetrack in Formula One? What's that? Do they go around like an oval racetrack or is it different? Not oval. This is, is this the one where it's like the street courses and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, not all of them, but yeah, it's okay. not oval. It's not like NASCAR. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's go back to college football. College. Um, Have you bet any bowl games, Jeff? I bet some that our bearder friend gave out, but I, I bet them like right when they came out. So I haven't even looked at them since. I, I saw the ones he gave out. I, I agreed with most of them. I agreed with actually almost all of them. I think Did you were, hammer those after he gave them out too? Because those things moved by the time I got to them. I didn't like that he gave them out because I was like, oh crap, like now I have to actually bet. I need to bet college football early because, you know, um, I, I bet stuff early. Yeah. Um, because I saw how there were some really bad lines up and I just didn't think that they would last and, and circuit hadn't opened and I, they weren't going to open until like they've, they've kind of staggered their opening. I kind of asked and they hadn't like, and when I found out they weren't opening anytime soon, like I was sort of, I, I thought those lines wouldn't survive and they didn't. So. Can we just like run through some, like don't over and analyze them because we know you don't really know anything about the teams, but like, let's just go over some of these prices. Can we talk, let, let's talk really quickly about a few of the games that have moved a lot and why. Okay. Which ones? The first one and the first one, Western Michigan, they opened as a seven point underdog to Nevada. I bet it at plus seven and plus six and a half. They are now a five and a half or six point favorite. That's crazy. That is a huge move that legitimately. Yeah. Um, why did it move so much? That's almost a 50% move, isn't it? Um, it's not full. I mean, it's like 40 something percent, but so Carson strong, the Nevada quarterback um, is not playing. And I think their coach is leaving for Colorado state and bringing a bunch of players with him. Cause you know, and now you can do that with the transfer portal and all that. You have all these transfer portal stuff and people sitting out, but so Ooh, I have Western Michigan plus six and a half. Yeah. I figured you did. That, that's that's a good one um that feels good should yeah there's some i don't like and then okay hawaii versus memphis that's one where i actually took a little bit of um well a little bit of hawaii like i literally have a thousand dollars of hawaii plus four when most of the market was like three and a half that first day the lines were out that's it's now um memphis minus seven and it's minus seven and a half actually in some places and I'm not taking Memphis plus seven and a half though. Now I, there was minus story, seven, you mean, or sorry, I'm not taking Hawaii plus seven and a half. There was a story that came out um, on December 6th. I think um, I just, I just read it today because I had lunch with Matt Metcalf and he, 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 he referenced that story. He was talking Who's about the name dropper now me, but he talked about how he, he's like, normally, you know, he, that he moved the line, like just reading this, he read this article and it's like, you know, like the bowl games are one time when you, you know, you move off of information that's otherwise maybe not easy to quantify. But the whole point is that the Todd Graham's players, Todd Graham's the coach of Hawaii, basically um, a bunch of them are transferring, leaving the program and, and publicly are, have come out and said that like he's abusive and he's taken and their love of football is gone because of him. And he's, I don't know, it's essentially just program chaos. Um, and and he's due a forty thousand dollar bonus if they win the game, and, he, and and they were like, he just wants to, us to play his bowl game, not for the seniors, but so he can get his bonus check. You know, it, a forty thousand dollar bonus. 
that's not very much for these it doesn't seem like a lot i mean like a lot again like acting like a first world asshole but um yeah but i wonder how much like you know that that kind of thing where you know even if, if, if they're not losing any players like that information coming out like it i mean it had a real impact on the market that market moved from three and a half to seven and a half it's a big move another one that moved hard was uh the I think it was the Kentucky game. No, was it? No, it was whoever played Purdue, Tennessee, Purdue, Tennessee. That's when I, I was able to get both sides of actually, I got Tennessee early at plus um, three minus one and minus one and a half. And then I got some Purdue at plus five. I don't know why that moved. Hmm. You don't know why I, I got like, now it's, four. I got it's right in the middle of yours, right? I got, I got small positions on those. I wasn't able to like get it at any book that took any real limits, but. Do you have anything on the early batch, like on Friday or Saturday, Toledo, Toledo Middle, Tennessee. Middle Tennessee? Nothing there, nothing on Coastal Carolina. I do, I, I do have a position on, on the Appalachian State Mountaineers, minus, what do you- minus two, two and a half, and two. So, yeah, t- I make that line minus four and a half. So not a big edge, actually, but... I took the minus two and minus two and a half, but you know, if, yeah, I, I was able to snag those early. So I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm regressing my number back to the market a lot less, the further you, we are away from the game, meaning a, what a small, I'll bet a smaller edge um, a long time before the game. So yeah, that's the one bet I have there. I, I would not play it at minus three though. So I cannot give anybody information that's actionable here. All right, so you got anything on any like South Carolina State, the Deion Sanders Bowl, or UTEP Fresno State? Saturday's the day I drive down to Newport, so I need some some sweats on the way down. So I bet UTEP Fresno over 50 and 50 and a half. It's currently 51 and a half. I make it 52 and a half on Chris. That's 51 and a half at um, other books. It's 51 and a half. There's some 50. It's 51 at the Westgate, 51 at the South Point, 51 at Caesars. 51 and a half at Circa. I mean, it's mostly 51 and a half, but there's a few 51s out there. Um, I make it without weather as we're still actually, wow, we're, cl- we're, we're getting close. I can actually start using weather, but without weather, I made it um, a total of 55 and a half. Do you know where, uh, where's this game being played, Jeff? In New Mexico, it's the New Me- Oh no, sorry. You have Fresno, UTEP. Is that what you're saying? Yes. It's Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually pull up the weather here. Um, so I can give you a real, it's in dream style stadium. Sounds cool. That does sound cool. It's uh, is it a, wait, what time is the game at? 1115 my time. So probably 1115 my time too. So it's probably 1215 their time. Yeah. Mountain time is it? No, it's no, it's probably central, right? I don't know. I don't know where New Mexico is. There's not a lot of professional sports teams in New Mexico. So uh, it looks like it's not okay. It's going to be like 44 degrees with wind speed of nine miles an hour. A little, a little chilly. So yeah. based on that, we can say my total, my, I make the total 53.9. Hmm. So 52 and a half, no, no value. What about, you said you liked UAB? Um, I did. Um, I don't like it at plus, well, yeah, at plus seven, I actually would make it after regressing to the market number, I would make it minus 111. So literally I show a 
like a one cent edge on it. Um, but I, I liked it at, at seven and a half. What do you make that Utah line against Ohio State? That's an interesting one because uh, that's like – I actually make it – and I think that's one where there's the sort of narrative of like Ohio State, you know, is maybe a little disappointed to be there or whatever, and that's why that number maybe isn't higher. But I actually think Utah's quite a good team, and I make the line minus 6.6. So what do you think about this strategy? Okay, now if you say like, okay – just independent of this quote unquote motivation plus six and a half seems like value, not value seems right. What about if Ohio state gets some opt outs or some people at the last minute decide not to play? Cause they have, you know, do we or, know or all the COVID. teams? Do we know all the players that are opting out yet? I don't know. I mean, I, we know, we know when guys announce and say, Hey, I'm not. What happens if Justin Fields doesn't play in that game? Well, that line changes. Yeah, there we go. But there's, a, so there's the other, I mean, there is this, I guess, regression to the zero, I mean, of a bowl game. So, you know, let's say normally if I, if my line predicts a score differential of 10, it's on average going to be 10. It's going to be sort of one-to-one correlation between my number and the score differential and the market number. Um, but for bowl games, that's like, historically, it's like a 0.85. So essentially, that what what I mean is that if I no, would normally make a team a ten point favorite for a bowl game, they should actually be more like an eight and a half point favorite. And so that's what I think a lot of that is due to the due to opt outs, which you have more of those now than than you did historically. And so this is, is that is that like whatever compression or is that figured into the your six and a half on the Utah line? Um, no, that's just that's just my my number, um, and and so I'm sort of doing that a little bit manually. Um, so I kind of feel like Utah plus six and a half right now. We we can bet that. But I mean that at six point six, that's not going to compress that much. I wouldn't. I would. I would not bet that. But fine, I won't bet it. Here's here's so here's the question: What's the money line there? That is what I might be more interested in. That that's plus, that's plus one ninety two. So because when books are pricing their money lines based off of like sort of a normal money line chart they have. Um, it's going to be wrong for bowl games because you have more variance in the cover margin. Essentially, there's a wider range of possibilities in bowl games. Um, hmm. You have, I mean, cause you know, you don't know which team, you know, you, we all play psychologists and all that, but you don't know which team's going to show up. Um, and you have a lot of blowouts and a lot of games that maybe should be blowouts that aren't, you know? And so, I mean, you can quantify it. You see the, the standard deviation of, essentially the, the, the prediction error, the difference between the score differential and what the line says it should be um, is, is, is higher for bowl games. And so there's some opportunities to bet money lines that might not otherwise have value. And, and oftentimes, even like if you like an underdog, you may be, if you can, you, you're probably better off taking a money line than the spread. Again, you need, like, you need to know what that line is and do, I would price shop, um, but are we going to get, are we going to see a minus 14 in this Alabama Cincinnati game? I certainly hope so. That's what I've been waiting on. I bet, how much do I have down? I have seven, I have 7.5 K down on plus 14. Um, and that's what I was able to get when, when there was 14 out there. And I'm, I'm kind of waiting right now and hoping I see another 14. I, Cause I would like to, that's a, that's a side I like. Um, I guess after regressing to the market number, I would make plus 13 and a half um, 
54.1%, so minus 117. So I would basically, what I'm saying is like that, that's the true edge I'd anticipate because my number for this game is minus 10.4. What do you make uh, Georgia, Michigan? I think you told us this, but what do you, what do you make them? Uh, minus 10.6 that yeah. Georgia minus 10.6. So are you, are you down at seven and a half? I did not bet that. No. Hmm. Why not? It's that's not enough. Just not enough edge crossing the nine and stuff. And the 10.6 is a mean number. Remember? So, um, what did it do? It did it. What it's just not polite or it's not nice, man. Yeah. I like that you caught that joke before I even really had to explain it. That was good. We've I'll been tell you what I like in the Georgia game, though. I over. I, I bet the over. It's we've we probably already talked about this. I I let's. See. I mean, this was one of the smartest things we've said this entire football season, except for neither of us said it. Actually, Matt David out did. That's why we have people to come on the podcast so that we can learn things. Why don't, why don't you say it again for those that missed that show? I'm, I'm gonna let you say it because you, you're more eloquent than I am. You're gonna have to. No, it's just essentially, and I and I talked about this on the Tony Kornheiser show where I predicted that I picked that over as one of my picks. Um, the idea is that these teams that have been, you know, very strong defensively, and a lot of their sort of rating is based on how great they have been defensively. Their that rating has been raised by them playing pretty poor offenses, and when they start to play each other, two good offenses, the 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 totals are, comp- are lower because of how good the defenses have been historically or, or the season. But when they play these better offenses, they tend to be higher scoring because the offenses are just simply better. And, and the relative strength just makes it such that, that those games get higher scoring. Was that? Yeah. Well that's, said? That's all right. I'll tell you, I make this line without weather. Cause you know, I don't, I don't know what the weather's going to be in 16 days, but without weather um, just accounting for the surface and, and all that um, 50.4 and it opened so low. I was able to, I snagged 43 and a half and 43 and it's still there's it's mostly 45s and 40 mostly 45s now, but I mean, that's still a fairly big difference. Yeah. I took some 44 and a half early because I had a feeling that that was, that this was going to be the case. I I try to front run you based on what I know your models are going to do. Well, the other, the other, um, Another, I mean, there's a few totals I really liked actually. And um, they're not, well, I show them all being good, but they're not as good as when I bet them, unfortunately, but. Bragger, Bragger. Well, it's, I mean, you see how much these lines move. I mean, I, I thought that the openers for bowl games were, were pretty weak this, um, this time around. Maybe it's because Circa didn't, didn't open anything. Like where Circa was not first for these but the missouri army game which i bet before the army navy game uh the under there was i i just did not understand that number being as high as it was it's um what's it now let's see it's rotation number 225 um it is 57 it's 57 now yeah it's it opened i like i got a i got some 60 i got some 59 and a half i also took some 57 and a half a little bit later i i make it um 53 so and and we with weather actually with weather i make it even lower i mean there's definitely gonna be weather there right i have the weather well i have the last time this was updated i have it as 50 degrees and eight miles an hour winds and and uh and i make so that's a 51.8 all right let's move on to some nfl 
Wait. Oh, okay. Why? What were you going to say? I was going to say, um, I think there's one other. Uh, yeah, there's an, so what's like Texas A&M and Wake Forest. What's up with that? I don't understand that total and I don't know why it's moved down. Is there something I'm missing? Cause I was going to say, if it's, if it's A&M and Wake Forest, shouldn't it be a very high scoring game? One would think, right? Like Wake plays really fast. Um, their quarterback is playing, I believe, right? No, he was very sad at the end of the Pittsburgh game, though. But, could see him. The funny him thing is, I'm sure. But but given, um, I mean, if he isn't playing, then that line should not be Texas A&M minus five. It should be higher. It should be higher anyway, I think. I make, I make it minus nine. So I kind of lean um, towards A&M there. I think it's good at five. Do so you think 57 and a half is too low? Well, can we do an yeah, yeah, A&M and over parlay? How about that? Ooh. A&M minus five over parlay. Yeah, I, I literally make that total 64 and a half. So I don't understand the 57 and a half or 59 and a half or whatever it is. I, I bet over 59 and a half and now it's down to 57 and a half and, or was. And and I'm kind of like, I haven't added to it this right now. Really I'm, like, I'm like, what's, what's, I'm like, what's going on there? I mean, cause I'll tell you, I, I bet all the, I bet a lot of this early because I didn't want, like, I wasn't going to like keep up with all the psychology and stuff. I'm just going to get my bets in and then let, let everybody else play psychologist and just, you know, so yeah, I have some minus six and a half on A&M. So that's negative. But it moved against us on both, but I just yeah. don't understand if it's, if it's something to do with like an opt out or with on wake, like that would make the total go down, <laughs> but it also would make the Texas A&M line go up. And that line went up. It opened, it went up to A&M minus, I think it might've gotten to seven and now it's shot back down. So who knows this is, yeah, we need Cheetah to tell us. I asked you to come on and he basically said he doesn't know anything this year. Cause he's still fat. <laughs> I can. That's not a. That's not an insult to Cheetah. It's an inside joke. I'm it's, fat it's, also. So Texas A&M. Me. Isaiah Spiller, personal reasons, is doubtful, a running back, but he hasn't actually had any carries this year or anything. It says, okay, um, yeah, I don't really see a lot. That's. Uh, I don't see a lot there in terms of the injuries. No idea. I have no idea. All right, let's go to NFL. You got to get to your dinner, so. Kind of blitz through this. What do you make this uh, Patriots Colts line? I think the I think I have Patriots is a point eight point favorite. So I don't necessarily understand the. I mean, is it still Indy minus two, two and a half, two and a half? Yeah. Can you tell me why why we're seeing that? I mean, both teams coming off the buy. Like personally, that's not a huge difference because, like, I mean. Even, you know, the zero is not worth a lot, believe it or not. Um, I mean, it doesn't really make sense, right? Because New England just went into Buffalo, you know, played a strong game against them. They were minus two and a half there, right? And again, so say, we're saying that a weird this, game. what's that? A game, a game that was so, a game that like, it's like, how, how do you, like, how, if you're a handicapper, how do you weight that game? Do you know what well, I mean? Well, essentially what they've said is like that, that, the the Patriots didn't gain any credibility from that from that win, right? Oh, well, so if, if it's if people are looking at it based on like, oh, what was their yards per play or whatever, on you know, it's not going to look super pretty. Actually, maybe maybe it wasn't that bad, but given the conditions, they like played quite well. But I guess maybe the market's saying that doesn't translate as well, given the fact that it was such an unusual game. 
So did you bet Patriots already? I haven't, no. You probably will, right? I should. I was I, I was waiting for the podcast for you to tell me. I don't understand it. I'm surprised. I thought that the line would be even or the Patriots would be like minus one. That's what I thought it would be. And so seeing them at plus two and a half. For a team that's like largely, you know, you would expect out of that Buffalo game, like people wouldn't be looking for opportunities to bet, like to, to get money on, uh, on them at this point. Everybody They're, loves you know, the Colts these days. What's that? I mean, everybody loves the Colts these days, it seems like. But actually, Jeff, you know, I, I'm going to correct myself. When I said I probably should bet it, I should probably say I probably should not bet any NFL. <laughs> you just get kill, getting killed? NFL sides have not been good for me this year at all, no. And you then like I anything else this week? Decisions. I still make dumb decisions. Like I bet a little bit of Washington. Like I got a good money line. So it was actually like relative to this point spread. So it wasn't like, you know, but. Yeah, but Washington, yeah, Washington that game was, that was game. turnovers, right? Yeah, but that line got, because that line got up to. Um, six and a half. Six and a half, right? And then, oh, there's one other game. Oh, I think I took that rate. The Raiders line got high enough and I took a little bit of like. Raiders plus digits, right? No, I also took some Raiders last week. No, I, I was, I, you know, but but betting that stuff on like game day, I, I should know better. You've always said you don't bet in NFL on no, game I, day. Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll bet some like quarters and some derivative stuff normally, just because you know I gotta. I don't know. I feel it feels weird not to have much on it. So I'm I'm actually up a little bit on the year for NFL, but it's it's I'm if. I'm down big on sides. Like I can actually, I have my little summary here. Um, I could tell you it's, it's, it's not pretty. I'm down, man, down 227,000 on sides. Um, I haven't bet. Luckily my volume's not that high. So, but I'm down 27% on sides. I'm, what am I up on? Oh, second halves. That's what it is. Jeff, I've I'm down 227,000 on sides, but I've made over 200,000 on to, on second halves on volume of $601,000. I've made a profit of 209,000. Isn't that in, that's like using a model from 2014. I don't know if I should be proud or ashamed, but it's getting good closing line value and it's winning. You do you Rufus. I'm, I'm Anything like, else I'm, you like as a I'm not, I'm not, I'm not betting it for that much though, because I'm like, you know, I don't have that much confidence in it. I'm, you know what happens when you start betting it for a full unit? Then it starts losing, right? Mm-hmm. I know how it works, but I'm just—I'm essentially just hitting openers, and I'm capping like my bet sizes there. Well, openers you can't generally get that much, but but if there's market resistance, I'm still not—I'm not I'm like I'm like not going to go over ten thousand or twelve thousand or so on it. So it's um, but it makes it makes NFL Sundays a little more fun. I'm my my overall return on on NFL this year is zero point one percent right now. Now that you're single, are you watching more sports again? No, I haven't actually turned on my TV in my apartment ever because I don't, I don't have cable. I have YouTube TV, but we don't need cable these days. I know. I'm watching a little bit, but but not much. I'm I'm like like on Saturday I went out for a hike, you know, rather than watch the second half of Army Navy. Saturday there was nothing to watch. Rufus. No, that was like it was like. You you saying like oh look at how woke I am or how like cultured woke? I am yeah, yeah. watch game, watch games on Saturdays is that's just it's just priceless. It's nothing to watch on Saturday. 
just a bunch of friggin' like all I was I was like hoping I had I had bet the over in that game in the second half. I was just waiting for it, hoping for it to go over. Um, I, I, my positions did not do well in that game. I had like the, I, I think probably the best correlated parlay bet of the year for me, the first half of, um, it was army or sorry, Navy plus four parlayed with there's four or four and a half. What was that number? Parlayed with the under under 17 and a half. That's 17 <clears throat> worth so much. And, and you know, the, the 10 to seven, the likelihood of 10 to seven is so high. Like I literally made that parlay a, um, a 24% edge. It was, um, yeah. Plus four and under 17 and a half. Cause I, I thought the under 17 and a half on its own was a positive bet as well, based on where the market was and, you know, didn't win, but, and then army minus seven, my small position on army minus seven also did not win. All right. Um, anything else in the NFL this week? You know, I be, I I don't I think I bet one thing in the NFL and that's it this week. And I'm trying to remember what it is. Oh, I bet Detroit plus 13 and a half. That's that's the only thing I bet in the NFL. I'm I'm trying to learn my lesson. I'm going to the Kansas City Chargers game tomorrow in LA. And so I kind of I make the line Kansas City minus two. And um I kind of want to have a little bet on it or something. So maybe I'll take find I'll, maybe I'll find a good a Chargers bet a good Chargers bet and by that I mean, I'm, I'm just going to take why wouldn't you bet the Chargers shop? money line and call it a day? Well, I'm in a line shop. I'm going to find you know maybe like Jeff in this case a first half there, there might be a better first half bet than full game bet. You know what I mean? Why like, do you bet think, the Chargers money why, line like and the, the derivative stuff? I mean, I think if you price shop, I mean it's the whole synthetic hold that that. Ed Miller and, and David, I'll talk about in their book, right? If I can find, if I can find sort of a, a first half bet or a alternate spread or, or money line that, that essentially is better than the full game spread, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So let's go back to this, um, this Chargers game. What if the, you parlay the Chiefs, sorry, you parlay the Chargers money line and the over 52. And the bet is that the Chiefs defense is not for real. Hmm. Okay. I mean, you could do that. <laughs> I like <laughs> I that you entertain that enough and listen bet. to it like and like pause like it was some sort of insightful comment. Oh. The thing is, I don't know what to root for for this because I have all these Chargers season win total unders. Um, and I have Chiefs unders too, but that's under 12 and a half. So I just need the Chiefs to lose one game. Um, but I have the chargers unders, which I basically need them to lose for, but I also bet on the chargers. I got like, I was like circuit took 10,000 at plus two twenty five on the charge or plus two thirty or something like that. I don't know. What, um, but I bet a chargers to win the AFC West last week, which I bet kind of small edge, but I was like, this is a nice hedge against, you know, given all my chargers under positions. So, so now I don't know what to root for. How about this Rufus? I know you're not like a huge fantasy guy, but, you know, like offenses and defenses and totals and spreads. So I need to pick up a defense in my fantasy league. It, the Texans and Jaguars, I guess specifically the Jaguars defense is still available playing against the Texans three and a half point favorite 39 is the over under the implied points there. Right. Is uh, I don't know. Can't do math, but it's like something like what 17 and a half or something. Sorry, I, I I got distracted. I texted Spanky saying I'm just finishing the podcast. So I'm late. 
So I have to say what I said again. I don't know the answer. Wait, wait. You want a fantasy football defense? That's you know. You no, I'm just wondering that. if if that like looking at the implied total of where the Jaguar like the Texans might have the lowest implied total of any available defense for me. That's whether it's whether I should go pick them up as the as the team. That that's um, one, that's a good thing. Although I don't know what your league scoring is, and I'm sure like sacks and interceptions matter and all that. So I would I think you probably gonna i mean between those but sacks and interceptions will be pretty correlated to a low score are we just saying like neither like that you know like if you're predicting a team is score 17 and a half points that's they're it's, they're probably it's correlated it's of course it's correlated but it'll be it's certainly going to be different from some teams to another i mean you could have a team that sucks and just runs the ball a lot and doesn't turn it over but just you know Fine. so I, I don't know in this particular case i think they're both i think both are bad defenses so okay bye Thank you. Thank you. For, thank you for all your help. Okay. So, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to my dinner now, Jeff, go to your dinner. Thanks for listening to us. Are we going to do one next week? Um, why is, Oh yeah. Next week. Oh, holiday week. We'll see. I could, for, I mean, we could talk about more bowl games. Maybe. I don't know. We could. Yeah. Let's maybe do one next week. Cause we're that. not going to do one between Christmas and new year's. Okay. Or whatever. Awesome. So. Well, Good luck, everybody. Hopefully, you do better on the NFL betting than, than I've been doing. Thanks. Talk to you guys all next week. The breakdown of data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are about to end just running off a of Reddit.